All right, go ahead and have a seat. Salt Ankeny, how are we doing tonight? Excellent. Excellent. Good to see you guys. Oh, man, my mask is caught. This is bad. That's better. Hey, Matt Fry is my name, one of the pastors here. Let me, uh, let me open us in a word of prayer. Can I do that? God and Father, we bow before you and we thank you for the opportunity to open your word tonight. I pray you would uh, guide us through what it is we need, each of us, Lord, that we, we thank you that you are so big that by the power of your spirit, Lord, you can, you can come, come to us individually and help us with the things we need to know from your word tonight. So I pray you would do that in a powerful way, whether here in the auditorium or there on the live stream. God, do that work, we pray in the good name of Jesus, amen. We're going into the book of John, so you can turn there. And I was told to give you an announcement, and it is that Salt Retreat is coming up the 2nd through the 4th of October. It's a good time, right? All right, excellent. I will not be there because my retreat days are over for obvious reasons, but you, you should go because it will be a great weekend of your life. And if you go on social media, Instagram in the bio there, there's a link. You can get signed up if you have questions. There's people here that can help you and answer questions about how to get signed up for that. So that's the big announcement. That's what is on the horizon for Salt Ankeny. You need to get signed up for that, all right? John 1, um, as you're turning, any sandals tonight? I have sandals. How many of you, your toes are exposed? All right, are you happy with your feet? I'm not. Um, Aren't feet disgusting? Really? I mean, a lot of weird things happen with your feet, don't they? Um, Some of you guys and maybe girls, you have hair growing out the top of your toes. Like I remember when that started happening in my life, I was like, wow, this is the rest of my life. Um, Do you ever notice, and again, this is with a lot of guys I know, like, like men, sometimes that toe next to your big toe is like this long. It's like you have a finger growing out of your foot. Like some guys have the weirdest, like three knuckles on their one toe, right? Um, you ever notice too, like, and maybe some of you are already there, but as you get older, like your, your toenails yellow, right? It's like, it's like five seashells on top of your feet, right? Like what is up with that, right? It's like, your toenails scoff at nail clippers, right? You need some kind of heavy-duty sander or grinder to take care of your toenail problems. I'm not there, but I'm probably getting there. Some of you don't clean your toenails. You ever been with that person? Like you're at a restaurant and they're sitting cross-legged and you look at their toes and you're like, oh my gosh, how can you expose those things, right? Like when was the last time you cleaned your toes? Like you could feed animals from what's underneath there or whatever. So... Toes are just like, I don't know why they're out all the time, but it, that's the case. Um, a couple of years back, I, I, was, I was getting into running a little bit, trying to lose some weight, and I got a callus on the inside of my one toe. And uh, I just thought, well, it's a callus, you know, high school sports, you play sports, you get calluses. Well, long story short, I woke up one morning and man, that callus had turned into a thing growing out of the side of my toe. I mean, it had its own zip code. It had an eye in it. Like there's a hurricane on my toe, right? This thing was huge. It just kept growing and growing. It was pushing my toes apart. And I thought this callus has gotten out of control. It was painful. So I actually kind of, you ever done this? I Googled like, you know, toe warts or whatever 
to try to find an image online that matched what's on my toe. Have you ever done that with stuff? Like if I can find a picture of an online, I can self-diagnose, right? So I did that. Oh my gosh, like there it was. It's like, that's what's on my toe. It was a corn. That's a thing. Have you ever heard of that? A toe corn. I know you're young. You don't have to face this. It's coming though, I'm telling you. It was a toe corn. It's, and it's not like corn like Iowa corn. It's like, it's like a callus with its own zip code, all right? I mean, it's, it's a callus that has totally taken over control of your feet. And so all the stuff I didn't know about toe corns, I learned because I had to take care of this thing. And like, you have to put salve on it and it fights back for a while. And finally, it died. So now when I run, I've got to put these little like wrap things around my toes so the corn doesn't take over again. Why are we talking about feet, Matt? and corns, here's why. Like before I had that toe corn, if you've ever said, hey Matt, what do you know about a toe corn? Guess what I knew about them? Nothing, absolutely nothing. It was just like you guys are totally grossed out about it, right? Like that is, I don't wanna talk about your toe corn. I had no information, but I can tell you this. When I got that toe corn and it took over my right foot, I wanted to learn everything I could about how to solve the problem of healing that because it was affecting everything about my foot. Um, here's what I want us to think about tonight as we jump into the book of John. Uh, think about and consider the link between what I know and what I need, all right? Maybe you can write that down. What I know and what I need. Many times, many times, what I know is driven out of need that I have. And that's what I think John 1 is gonna to talk to us about. Need awakens me to the knowledge I have to have. Man, I'll tell you what, when, when my toe lost, when I lost control of my toe there, it when, it, when I woke up and it was painful, it awakened me to the need of, I gotta figure out how to deal with this problem. And listen, nowhere, nowhere is it more important than your spiritual life and your life with God. So if anything tonight, as we enter into John's description of Jesus, students, I wanna awaken you to your need of Jesus because maybe tonight you're here and you're like, I don't know anything about him. Or maybe that knowledge is just stuck in your head and you don't think about how it translates into the needs of your life. What I know and what I need. Um, there's a story in the book of Acts. Some of you've heard this story. So I think it's Paul and Silas, right? They're in prison there. Remember the story and they're singing in the middle of the night, they've been beaten and they decide to sing, which is an amazing spiritual fortitude that they have. And while they're singing, there's an earthquake that shakes the jailhouse and the jail, the jail falls apart and the jailer comes in and what is, what's the first thing he's gonna do? He's gonna kill himself, why? Well, he figures all the prisoners are gone and it's, you know, his head's on the block and Paul and, and Silas say, hey, don't kill yourself, we're all here. You know what, when, when that, when, that, uh, when that guard, when that centurion walked into work that morning, wasn't thinking about an earthquake almost taking his life. He, he definitely wasn't thinking about his need for God. But what does he say when Paul and Silas come to him and he realizes, he realizes what just happened? He says, sirs, this is what he says in Acts 16, 31. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now I'll tell you what, need drove what he wanted to know. Up to that, you know, it was just another day in the prison, cutting people's heads off and beating them, whatever. But when that earthquake hit and Paul and Silas faced him down, his question to them was, this, this is not what I was expecting when I came to work today. What do I need to know to be saved? 
So we're going to look at that link between knowledge and need. C.S. Lewis wrote this. Listen to this. This is so good. You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. It's easy to say you believe a rope is strong enough and sound as long as you're merely using it to tie a box shut. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? Isn't that a great illustration in a way that C.S. Lewis can only bring it to us? Hey, keep your box, keep your jewelry box tied shut with your rope, right? But what if you have to hang it from a tree and like suspend over the Grand Canyon with it? You're gonna care a lot more about how strong that rope is. So knowledge and need, students, we wanna talk about that tonight. Um, here's what I wanna submit to you. In Jesus, what I know is what I need. When it comes to Jesus, what you know about him is what you need. Um, what about John, the Gospel of John, as we go into chapter one? The Gospel of John is different from the synoptic, which is just similar gospel. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke are synoptic. They're similar. They tell a lot of the same stories in kind of diff maybe different ways. John is not like that. 90% of what John has written is unique. His gospel doesn't focus as much on miracles, parables, and public speeches that are so prominent in those other accounts. Instead, the gospel of John emphasizes, listen, the identity of Jesus as the son of God and how we as believers should respond to his teaching. What John tells us is, this is what you need to know about Jesus because this is what you need. Know this about Jesus because this is what you need. So in Jesus, what I know is what I need. I wonder, let me ask you this. What person are you tonight? Maybe you're someone here and you say, I know, but I don't really need. Maybe you're here and you're like, I know Jesus. And maybe you grew up in Sunday, like you, Sunday school, you have the Bible memorized backwards. You know, you, you know Jesus. But you would say that the needs of your life have never awakened you to what to do with that knowledge. We, the Bible talks a lot about this in terms of faith and works, how to move information about God from your head to your heart. You ever heard that? Know and follow. We talk about that at Keystone. Walk the talk. Have you heard that? So maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I, Matt, tell me something about God I don't know. That's you tonight. Like, tell me something I don't know. I know it all. John 1, I have the whole thing memorized. You want me to come up and read it? You know a lot. But maybe you've never been awakened to what should that drive in your life? What do you need from God based on that knowledge? How should it change you? This is what Peter says. Listen, his divine power, God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. What we know about God has given us everything we need to live differently because we need to live differently. What I know is what I need in Jesus. Maybe you're here and you could be all along the spectrum, but maybe here's another side. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know what I need. <laughs> maybe you're here and you're like, you're like, I'm kind of making life up as I go. Like, I don't really know Jesus. I'm in salt because I like the music. I want to go on the retreat. I'm trying to get a girl here to go out with me. I, I don't know. But maybe you're here and you really don't know what you need. You're kind of making life up. The Bible, the Bible has you in mind. The Bible says this, Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a person, but the end is death. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're like, there's a way that seems right to me. I don't know if it's right. 
I'm just, this is kind of how I'm getting along, man. I'm working at Chick-fil-A, going to DMAC online, wearing a mask, doing my thing. I think that's right. But maybe a knowledge of Jesus hasn't really awakened in you a need for Jesus. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're at Keystone and you're part of Salt Ankeny because I hope if anything tonight and through this series in John, we can awaken you to that need that you have for Jesus. Because man, Jesus is all about what you know is what you need. He doesn't want to waste your time. I love what, this is what John wrote later. So John wrote the gospel, but then he wrote these little epistles, which were letters later on. This is what he said in one of those little letters. It's 1 John 5, 13. I've written these things to you who believe in the name of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Man, John, John is about questions and not answers. When you come to the Bible, there's plenty of questions. The Bible's, the Bible's got some interesting things in it. But listen, the Bible is a book of answers, not a book of questions. So I hope you come to the book of John with the understanding that God wants to give you answers about who Jesus is because that knowledge is what you need. It's what I need. So in Jesus, what I know is what I need. So John 1, I want us to look at three words that help us know what we need in Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna read the whole thing. 1 to 18, you with me? Here we go. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning all things were created through him, and apart from him was not one thing created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be called children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one, only, the, the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this is the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we've all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side. He has revealed him, the word of God. And in it, John is saying this, what you know about God is what you need. It's that important. So I wanna pull three words out of here, okay? Three words to help us know who Jesus is and, and hopefully awaken in us the need we have for him. The first word is this, beginning. All right, you see that word, beginning. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, in the beginning. Does that verse sound familiar to you, John 1 1, if you're like a student of the Bible? Sounds a lot like Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, right, God created the heavens and the earth. So we have some, some things we need to deal with in this idea that Jesus was at the beginning. In the beginning, which is really complicated because it's not really the beginning, it's the beginning before the beginning. It's the beginningest beginning, the most beginning of beginnings. 
Because what we know is this, prior to creation, Jesus already existed. John tells us he's the word. That's how John describes Jesus in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. He's the word of God. This is the word of God, but John said Jesus is the word of God too. And man, that's significant because the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, talks about God's word as his powerful self-expression in creation, revelation, and salvation. So John says God's son, Jesus, is the one who personifies the word as God's ultimate self-disclosure. So basically John's saying, you wanna see God? Look at Jesus. The word was with God. He existed in eternity with God and he's come now to us. He was there at the beginning, the beginning of everything, the beginning of the world at creation. When God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Jesus was there in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. It's huge truth. John says that's who Jesus is. He was at the beginning and he's the word. He is the ultimate self-disclosure of God. In chapter 14, we read this of John, anyone who has seen me, Jesus says this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus is like, yep, he's right. I mean, he didn't say that, but he could have. Anyone who's seen me, Jesus says, has seen God. He's the word. Man, the word is significant. Imagine the word of God. Words, Words have power and that word, word has power in the Bible. Why can't you yell fire in a crowded theater? You can't do that, right? Don't try it. You'll get in trouble. Why? Well, because it's a powerful word. If you do that, we we don't go to theaters anymore, I know, because of COVID. But if back in the day when we used to go to theaters, you couldn't yell fire because there's power in that word. That word brings forth a whole bunch of connotations. And so it's against the law to do that, which is a good thing. And so students, listen to me in the Bible. When John says, Jesus is the word. It's not like Jesus is just another guy. Man, the word is everything in the Bible. It's God's powerful way of disclosing himself throughout the Bible. And he's saying ultimately that happens in Jesus' beginning. Jesus was there at the beginning. That is such an important word. It's such an important important part of who we are and who we want to be, isn't it? Beginning, the onset, the arrival, the dawn, the birth did I tell you I'm gonna be a grandfather? And you're like, yeah, you look old enough. Well, I am. (laughs) First time though, I'm gonna be a grandfather. Yeah, thank you. Pops, what do you think? That's what I'm gonna be called. (laughs) Thank you, I know. You're like, yeah, that looks about right too, yeah. Uh, Very excited about that. And, And my wife got this app that you can track the growth of our grandchild in the womb. Like not physically, but like you compare it to things. Like this, this week, your baby is a blueberry. And this week, they're a pimento bean or whatever. Like, and you go on till this week, it's a watermelon. You better get that thing out of there or whatever. You just keep working up uh, metaphors of food for the baby as it grows. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we got to, you've seen this, some of you who have, been in families where you know you've been alive when your mom gave birth and you get the ultrasound picture and it's like it, it looks like a hurricane right like yeah, is that a weather forecast or a child right but that's on our fridge now right and we you know walk past and put a kiss on the picture right and you get you get the text of the heartbeat like like a washing machine so that's my that's my grandbaby 
You know what's so awesome about that? I'm, I feel like I'm there at the beginning. And there's no better place to be, right? Don't you love beginnings? Like I was there when it started. Man, beginnings are big for us. They really are. Being there at the start, being someone who's there at the outset, at the arrival, at the dawn. Students, listen, from eternity past, God has existed as Father, Son, and Spirit, and Jesus was there from the beginning. And let me make this personal because a new beginning is an important part of who we are and what we want. Who in this room tonight doesn't want a new beginning, a fresh start? How many of you want a do-over? When in your life have you said, man, in a relationship, in some addiction you have, in a class I took, in a season of life, who of us has not said a hundred times, man, I would like to do that differently? Good grief, I'm old enough to be a lot of your grandfathers. So I can tell you this, at my age, there's a lot of times in my life when I have looked back and said, man, I wish I could do that differently. I wish I could start over, right? That runs in the heart of every human being. Beginnings are super important to us. And yet, we really can't begin. We really can't have a total fresh start, can we? I mean, truly? Like maybe it's tough with family, but you always have your family. You're always gonna have to deal with what you were brought up in. And as far as a job, you're gonna have to figure something out, right? And relationships are always gonna be a part of your life. You can't insulate yourself from anything. And you may say like I have hundreds of times, I wanna start over but you're always gonna to have to deal with some remnant from that thing you're trying to get past or get through or get over or get beyond or forget. We're human, we're broken. And so beginnings are so important to us, but who can really truly begin? Not me. You've been trying to kick that habit for like two years and you can't do it. And every day you wake up and you're like, today I'm gonna to try harder. And by the end of the week, you've fallen right back into it. I've been there. We all know what that's like. So man, beginnings are so awesome, but they're so elusive. This is what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. That's a book in the Bible. He says this, can anyone say, can, can someone say about anything, look, this is new. They can't. It has already existed in the ages before us. Check out this picture. Maybe you've seen this on social media. Have you seen this? It looks like it could be from like today, right? It's from like 1918. Like we can't even, we can't even have a new pandemic. <laughs> That's a legit picture. And there was a big controversy back in 1918 about wearing masks because of the Spanish flu. And so there were people that like out on the street saying, you better wear a mask. So they made these legit vintage signs, put them on their coats, wear a mask or go to jail. I saw that on social media. I was like, man. We can't even have a new beginning with our sickness. It's like 1918. People were going through the, through the same kind of controversies we're going through. So beginnings are, man, they're, they're so important, but they're so elusive. Listen, into that ever-present desire to know what it means to begin, to, to need a fresh start, and yet to be disappointed. Here's what John says about God. He truly was there in the beginning. Jesus was there. Isaiah says this, another guy in the Old Testament, look, I'm about, this is talking about God. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it indeed? I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. 
Some of you are here like, man, (laughs) metaphorically, God, I wish you would make a way for me in the desert. I wish there was a way for me to get out of this wilderness. I wish I could start again. Listen to me. In Jesus, you have the ultimate new beginning. Some of you have been baptized in salt. You know what that was? It was a new beginning for you, wasn't it? Some of you are like, oh, you're crying. My girlfriend baptized me. It was awesome. It was awesome. Because you know what? That, that part of what we do in the body of Christ signifies a new beginning because Jesus is all about new beginnings. Once a month in this church, we take communion on Sunday. And you know what that is? It's a new beginning. It's a new opportunity to be hit in the face again with the fact that Jesus' body was given for me on a cross and his blood was shed for me. And every month we take that, it hits us in the face. We, we're made new. I, I can be renewed in this. I can forgive. I can move past that because of the power of Jesus. And that's what everybody wants. And I love how John says, here's the first thing I want you to know about Jesus. He was there in the beginning. He was there in the beginning. What you know is what you need. And for some of you tonight, it is the deep desire for you to have a new beginning and a fresh start. John says, our guy John says, let me tell you about this one Jesus who is God, who was there from the beginning, eternity. He's the author of the beginning. He's the ultimate fresh start. Know him. That's what you need. Becoming, that's the second word. Becoming. Um, In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was Jesus from eternity past. He's the ultimate new beginning. The word was with God and the word was God. Jump down to verse 14. The word, who is Jesus, as we've seen, the ultimate The ultimate, how do we describe it? The ultimate self-disclosure of God, Jesus, the word. Notice the next word, became flesh and dwelled among us. Not only do you need to know Jesus as the ultimate beginning, you need to know him as the one who became what you could never become for yourself. Okay? Jesus became for me what I could never become for myself. And some of you are trying to become something for yourself and you can't do it. It's like beginnings. We need someone to become for us. That's what the word did. That's what Jesus did. One writer says, John 1.14 tells us this, God became human. Jesus took on flesh, which is the theological word incarnation. He took on flesh without ceasing to be God. He was God, he was man. He became what we could never become. A literal translation of that verse, you know what it is? He lived in his tent among us. When it says he took on flesh, he dwelt among us. He lived in his tent among us. I've been in a tent, not a huge fan at my age. Went camping with my son a couple weeks ago. I don't know if any of you been camping this summer, like, hey, go outside. You can't get COVID outside or whatever. You can, but, you know, go outside. And so you go camping. So I went camping with my son, and we pulled up to the campground. There's like 6 million people in this campground. And I pitched my little pathetic tent. It's got, like, mold growing on it. I haven't had it out of the bag in forever. You know, if it rains, God help us. Who knows what's going to happen? And like the next campsite over, a guy pulls in one of those fifth wheels, you know? It's like bigger than my house and probably costs more. And he's, 
you know, backing it into the spot, you know, runs right over my tent, doesn't even realize it. Gets the whole family out. He's got like a, like a big screen TV that's on the front porch of it. Hooks up like patio lights. I, I can't hear myself think in the wilderness because he's got his air conditioning. He's got running water and a toilet in there. I'm with all the other schmucks, you know, going to the, the outhouse that the campground has where you can get COVID. Nobody wants to be in the tent, right? Everybody wants the camper. I want to be in the fifth wheel. I want to watch football and laugh at the people in the tents. John says the word who was the ultimate self-disclosure of God, Jesus, who was there from the beginning. He's God. He became man. He became like us to deliver us. He became what we could never become. He made his tent with us, which if you know anything about the Old Testament would have had a ton of significance to the people who were reading this. This is what the writer of Romans says, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He goes on to say, rarely would someone die for a good person, for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might dare to die. But God proves his love for us in this, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ came and said, hey, Move over, Fry. Let me put my tent up next to you. Let me dwell in my tent like you're dwelling in your tent. Let me become like you. That's what Jesus has done. He's become what we could never become. Later in, later in the Bible, this is again, the writer Paul says this about Jesus, Philippians 2.7. Instead, he humbled, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on a tent, <laughs> taking on the likeness of humanity. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Students, listen to me. You need Jesus to become what you could never become, which is your own salvation. You are a sinner, born a sinner. I am born a sinner. Jesus is the only one who has come, took on flesh like us, and as the God-man, lived, lived the life we should have lived, died the death we deserve to die on the cross. He became what we could never become. I don't know what you're doing to try to save yourself, but it won't work. In the same way that you can't truly begin without Jesus, you can't become without Jesus because he is the one who became sin for you. He took on flesh. He set up his tent next to you and became like you, became like me and died on the cross for my sins. There's a wonderful story in Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter three. You know these three brothers or three Hebrew children, they're called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You've heard of them. Maybe you've heard the story growing up. Maybe you've never heard the story. Read Daniel three. It's a, an amazing story. They refused to bow down to an idol in the nation of Babylon back in the day. And in their refusal, King Nebuchadnezzar says, whoever doesn't bow down to the idol gets thrown into the fiery furnace, right? And so they refused to bow down. They're like, you can throw us into your furnace. We don't care. We're, we're, we're not bowing down. And so they're thrown into the furnace. And at the end of that story, it's so amazing because it's, it's, it's the, the, the anger of Nebuchadnezzar is just out of control. He stokes the fire hotter so much so that the text tells us that the guys who threw them in died from the heat that was coming off the furnace. And they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there. And a little time passes by. And this is what King Nebuchadnezzar says when he looks into that fire. 
This is Daniel 3.25. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. A lot, of, a lot of people think that was an appearance of Jesus before the New Testament. That's what you need. <laughs> you need a fourth man in the fire of life. I need a fourth man in the fire of life. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Jesus who became like them to deliver them. That's a picture of me. That's a picture of you. I, I don't know tonight what your self-salvation project is, but let me tell you, it will self-destruct. Maybe you're here and you don't know what you need because what you need is Jesus because he became a man and became sin for us. So I don't know what it is you're holding on to, whether it's what you have in your brain or the ability you have in relationships or my parents will, or as long as this works out, if I'm, and you have built a project of self-salvation, it will self-destruct because you cannot become for yourself what Jesus became for you. He looked down from heaven as God, very God in the beginning and said to the father, let me go there. And he became a man, took on flesh and became sin for us. What you know is what you need and what you need is a fourth man in the fire. You need Jesus who became sin for us. So, so what do you... What are you gonna do with what are you gonna do with beginning and becoming, guys? Let's wrap it up. The third word is this believe. Third word is believe. Look at uh, look at verse 10. He was in the world, the word, Jesus, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. We're gonna read about that in John, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. Here's what you need to do with the fact that Jesus, the word, eternal God, is from the beginning and is really the only new beginning you can have. Jesus, the word, is the one who became a man and died for us. And it's, it's the only way we can become righteous and have a relationship with God. So John says, here's what you need to do. You need to believe and receive him. Those words in many ways that he uses there in verse 12, 1 John 1, 12, those words receive and believe are kind of two ways of describing the, the same thing. It includes personally welcoming, trusting, and submitting your life to Jesus. So here's what I wanna challenge you with tonight. When I say believe, it means this. Transfer your trust to Jesus from whatever it's on. If you're here, you're new to salt, you've been coming, you're hanging out, you don't know Jesus, here's what he, Jesus is asking you to do. Transfer, transfer your trust. In the same way that you would be sitting in a chair and transfer your weight from one chair to another chair, as it were tonight, Jesus is saying this to you. Transfer your trust from whatever you're sitting in to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He will give you true new life because he did so from the beginning. Later in John, we'll read this. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That's new life. That's a new beginning. 
And if you're here, whatever that new beginning is for you, it starts in Jesus. And listen to me, Jesus is not gonna, you know, like a magic potion, turn your life around tomorrow if there's things you're going through and you're like, I need a fresh start. But unless you begin with Jesus, it's never gonna change. And here's what Jesus is saying, transfer your trust. What is that thing tonight, students, you need to let go of? How do you, what person in your connection group do you need to reach out to and say, I need a new beginning, but it has to start in the power of Jesus. And so I want his life. I want that beginning. Transfer your trust. Second thing is this, not only transfer your trust, but come home. Do you know what, did you notice what Jesus said at the end of verse 12 there? He gave them the right to be called children of God. Later in the Bible, it puts it like this. Once we were not a people, but in Christ, now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Listen, transferring your trust to Jesus, trusting him for new life is what you need. And when we do that, we become part of the family of God. John tells us God gives us the right as children. We come home, we have a home. Before Jesus Peter tells us we weren't a people, now we are a people. We hadn't received mercy, now we have received mercy. That's what Jesus has become for you. It's what he's become for me, the one who can give us a home, an identity. Students, the word Jesus was there at the beginning. He is the one who became flesh and became sin for us. Tonight, the question is this, will you believe in him? Will you receive him? Will you come home? Because what you know is what you need. Let's pray. I thank you for the words of this faithful writer of the Bible, a friend of Jesus, John. God in heaven, I pray that you would work in the hearts of these students because I know as a 53-year-old man how many times I've wanted to start over. So that started young. And I look out over this room, Father in heaven, and I know that there are plenty of kids in here who say, I want to start over. That can only begin in what you've done for us through Jesus. In the beginning was the word. He was there with you from eternity. He is the ultimate fresh start. So God, help us to run to Jesus. If there's someone in here tonight who needs to receive and believe, I pray they would transfer their trust. Listen to me, students, if that's you, in the quietness of our time right here, the best you know how, cry out to God and say, I, I want Jesus to do a new start in my life. I, I wanna begin with him. Uh, he, he's the one who became like me. He built his tent next to me and then died on that cross that I deserved. Just let him know, God, I'm thankful for that. Jesus, I confess my sin to you and I wanna believe, I wanna walk with you. Invite him into your life. And then as quick as you can tonight, you reach out to a connection group leader or someone you know and say, hey, I did that. I, I want to begin in Jesus. Let someone know. Let us help you walk that journey. So God, even as I ask students to pray that prayer, Lord, I just ask you would work in the hearts of those who want to begin, who need to know you as the one who became sin for us. Lord, there's plenty of students here who know you and knowledge has not moved past that. I pray that you would awaken them to the needs of their lives, that they would be transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the book of John would be a catalyst for salt ankeny and do great things because what we know about you is what we need from you. So Lord, use your word to transform us, we pray. 
We pray in the name of Jesus, the word. Amen.